0: All right, tonight we're talking about 1 Peter, we've been in 1 Peter for a while, we're almost done with 1 Peter, that makes some of you probably really happy and some of you probably have been here every week and don't know that we're in 1 Peter. So however it goes, tonight we are close to the end of that book and talking about the importance of being alert and I want you to remember kind of the context of of what Peter is talking about here. Peter is talking to Christians who are scattered, who are running maybe for their lives. Maybe they have been persecuted, but for sure they are all worried that persecution is coming. And you can kind of maybe imagine that a little bit of what their lives were like. It wasn't like they would say, you know, I think... Maybe we're going to have a big service on Sunday morning because it's Father's Day, and so we'll go on Father's Day to worship service, and then we'll go back at evening and have another service. Life is not like that in the first century. It's not like that for them, particularly in the situation that they're in. They're scattered. They are worried about tomorrow and what's going to happen, and what Peter is trying to get them to do all throughout that letter is stay together and stay faithful to God because the days are scary and the days are rough. And so he says in 1 Peter 4, 7, here as we begin tonight, the end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Now probably what he's talking about here is the end of time. I mean, it probably seems like that where he says all things. He could have meant all things according as far as the empire goes, the Roman Empire. He could have meant as far as their lives go. Whatever it is, he says, the end of everything is near. And when you hear something like that, it makes your ears perk up. And you might even say, no, it's not, because you don't want to believe it's the end. But he says, it is the end. It's near the end. Therefore, you need to be alert because you don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what's coming. Be sober-minded for prayer have an attitude of realizing these are serious days. Now, our days are somewhat different than those in the time of Peter. But at the same time, I think a lot of us, as maybe it's just growing older, I don't know, but a lot of us probably have a feeling, hey, maybe we ought to be a little sober-minded. Maybe we ought to realize that the world has shifted, that there has been this great cultural change that has happened. Back when I was in college and I was studying all those books and all as a Bible major and we would read about these great shifts and they would tell us that it was the biggest cultural shift that had happened in a thousand years and we were in the middle of it. And I can remember we would all laugh and say, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. The books don't know what they're talking about. The experts don't know what they're talking about. None of that is happening because it didn't feel like it was happening in my little piece of the world. Now, years later, I realized, you know what? It's happening. Like it or not, it's happening. Churches are shifting and changing. Things that we thought would always be are not always now. It is different. You might like it more, you might like it less, but the fact is the world is in an incredible shift right now in nearly every nation of the world. And so sometimes when he says here, the end is near, so therefore you need to be ready. You need to be alert and realize that things are different. You need to be faithful to God. You need to be sober-minded. However, sometimes we can be hypnotized by the world. Now this is the snake you see on the screen, Ka. Some of you remember Ka from uh, the Jungle Book, Rudyard Kipling's Jungle Book. Do some of you ever watch that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like three of you do, and the rest of you have no idea what I'm talking about. So in Rudyard Kipling's, I'm just giving you trivia now, okay? In Rudyard Kipling's Jungle Book, Kaa was a good snake. He was the, a protagonist. He was a positive. But when Disney made the movie in 1967, they made Kaa into a bad snake. He was an antagonist because they said people would never go for a snake being a good guy. So they made him into a bad guy. Let me tell you the Disney version of what he would do. Ka somehow, he's he a 30-foot-long snake. And somehow Ka would get you in the eyes. And he would hypnotize you into whatever he wanted. Do you know what I'm talking about today and feeling that way with sin? What do they tell us? Uh, there was a book years ago and it all makes sense. It's basically it's, it's, it's money, sex, and power are the three things that for the most part hypnotize people. Hypnotizes them on their phones whenever they look at sexual things, for example. It hypnotizes them as they start to make money or dream of making money. It hypnotizes people that if I could have more power and rule over more people, I'll give up the other things just for that power. That there are people that deal with this and those aren't just people that are outside on the street on a Sunday evening, but those are people who even sit in the pews On Sunday night or stand next to the podium on a Sunday night we all sometimes get hypnotized by those things and what he calls us to what Peter calls us to through the Holy Spirit is do not be hypnotized by the world But instead, be alert and sober-minded and realize we live in end times. We live in difficult times, end times, times that are different. He reminds us that worldliness is not our friend. As much as worldliness is all around us, it is not our friend. Those three things I mentioned, there is nothing wrong in and of any of them until all at once they end up in another category and they're used in improper ways and they're used to hurt people or they're used outside of what God has called us to, then all of those things become wrong things. Worldliness does not make us closer to God, but it does make us closer to the world. And so sometimes we think, well, you know, I I need to be around people who are worldly, right? Because Jesus was with the sinners, right? Right? But remember when Jesus was with sinners, he always had a mission to bring them out of the sin and into his kingdom. That's the difference. If I'm there to help bring them out of the kingdom and remember my purpose, then maybe that's a good thing, but that's often not. So how do we live in the last days? How do we live? The last days started 2,000 years ago, and so we may literally be in the last days, but we may have another two or three or. 10,000 years to go or whatever God decides. But how do you live when you know it's the last days? Do you change the way you live? Maybe some of us should, and maybe some of us don't have anything to change because we're already living every day like it's our last. But my guess is we would all change a few things. So Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, and verses 8 and 9, Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. I want you to remember again where we are, the setting we're in. These are Christians who are on the run. These are Christians who are scattered. These are Christians who everything is not just wonderful, but it is even more important than before that they be united. It's always important, but especially when you're under pressure and especially whenever the world is trying to pull you apart. Remain constant in your love for one another and love is going to cover a multitude of sins. Do you hear what he's saying here, how important this is? Have you ever noticed in a relationship, maybe a husband and a wife or maybe with your kids or whatever it may be, that sometimes in life that there is, you have a problem going on and then there are stressors from the outside that are coming at you? Do you know what I'm talking about? And you have to remember. I told you this story last week about about sciatic pain that I have, and it's getting better, okay? So it's getting better. But let me tell you, sometimes it hurts, and I'm not the friendliest person in the world because there is something coming from the outside. The same thing happens in families and in relationships, and it happens in churches when things are on the outside and people are nervous or they're upset or they don't feel good and they mistreat each other. And he says, remember who you are. Remember what you're doing here. Unity should be at our core. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Too many people are too fast to divide. Too many people are too quick to find problems with other people and find reasons to divide and split and be separate. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Unity should be at our core. And understand, as a church body, we won't always agree, so we need those things that God gives, what we would call partially here the fruit of the Spirit, love and patience and perseverance. Do you realize you wouldn't need perseverance if everything went right all the time? The reason you need perseverance is because sometimes you will have to persevere through issues. You wouldn't need patience if everything was right. If it were always right, you wouldn't need it. Therefore, one part of the gift of the Holy Spirit, or or of the fruit of the Spirit, is patience. These things are needed in order for the church to maintain unity. And then he says another thing. I want to read this verse to you again here. Back in 1 Peter, it's not on your screen. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Hospitality, according to Peter, is a command be hospitable to one another you notice these women eating ice cream i would like to say eating ice cream should be a command Hospitality, hospitality. how do you say that now hospitality is a command it is not just a good idea it is not just something that someone does it is an expectation of god for the glory of the church and for unity of the church for people to be hospitable. Now that may mean in your house, and that's certainly the way it was used originally, that they would be in each other's houses. You remember in Acts 2, they went from house to house. I doubt that they had that they had quite as many restaurants as we have today. So it may not be talking about just in your house. Or, or they didn't have a church building in those days. So it may not have been they met at the church building. But somehow... Some way, hospitality is an expectation of a church that is united. But not only that, we have to do so without complaining because doing so without complaining is also a commandment. Do you hear what he says? Practice hospitality without complaining. Now, it could be, well, we're going to have those people over and they're probably going to get jello on the rug, you know? That is not practicing hospitality without complaining. Those things are expectations to practice it and not complain about it when you do it. Find something that works for you, but understand this is really important. If we don't know each other, There is no way that we can know each other. So many religious groups these days, I heard someone say this back a few years ago, and it has stuck with me, that for so many religious groups, going to a church service is like going to a movie. You only talk to the people in your party, you walk in, you find your seats, you talk to those people, and then you walk out. And people wonder, wow, they weren't very friendly to me. Well, maybe that was because I wasn't very friendly. Maybe that was part of it. Maybe we're not friendly to each other. Practicing hospitality is supposed to be what the church is, that we know each other, we talk to each other, we spend time with each other. Those things are keys. Then he goes on in 1 Peter chapter 4, and verses 10 and 11. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others. As good stewards of the very grace of God, if anyone speaks... Let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, I want you to see that verse when he says, if anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. That's not that I ought to go around and say, excuse me, you need to stop doing that because when I speak, it's like God speaking. That's not what it means, right? But what it does mean that the things that I speak should be godly and should be based on scripture and based on morality and based on what is good. I should not be known as one that is a gossip or one that is known for cutting other people down, but instead for one that does what is good. So basically in this passage, what he is saying throughout the book and then particularly in this passage tonight, stay focused in word or deed. Probably I should have put stay focused in word and deed, but in word or deed, as the song used to say, that we stay focused on God and his word we honor God we never forget that it's about God you remember a few weeks ago we talked about in our relationships whether it is a relationship as a as a slave or as an owner or as a husband or a wife or a child or whoever else it is all about the kingdom it is about the king and the kingdom we never forget what it's about and so he said, as you live your life in the last days, never forget it is about the kingdom and about the king. So if it is a business deal you have going on or if it is, if it is a life situation you have going on, everything is about the kingdom. Everything. And this, for the most part, is our part of the kingdom. Everything is about those things so that god the king can be glorified so my question for us tonight is how friendly am i with the world because the world will destroy us faster than we can turn around you know isn't it amazing sometimes that you can get involved in something and not even realize how fast you can get involved so some of us, certainly never me, of course. You ever been had your phone out and you're looking at Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, Twitter or whatever it is you look at on your phone, and you, all at once you realize two hours later you're still looking at it. You know what I'm talking about? You're just slide, you're just you're just going through things, scrolling. You don't even realize it's happened. We can waste more time on nothing quicker than anything. And how many times do people think this is just a small business venture I'm going into and it swallows them up? How many times do people think, oh, this isn't important, whatever sexually it is or whatever kind of power it is or whatever those other categories are and think this isn't anything and before they know it, they have have become completely enveloped in those things and worldliness has destroyed us. And we stop and look and think, how did that happen? Well, tonight what I pray is is that we all recommit to follow God and to put God first. And if you need to be baptized into Christ tonight or you need prayers tonight, we want to help you. Come as we stand and sing.